Welcome, everyone, to a brand new episode of Ian's Untitled Scene Show. My name is Ian, and this episode is over a year in the making, and I am very excited because on the phone right now, or even on Discord right now, I have Andrew of Boy Becomes Hero. Andrew, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing well. How are you? I am not doing too bad. We obviously caught up, you know, before the show you know, swapping stories back and forth. What's very funny about, you know, you and I is that we started talking a long time ago and we were basically just kind of waiting to get to this moment <laughs> where we're actually oh, yeah. able to talk on the show. And it's just very cool to be able to catch up with you right now, man. Yeah, same. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. It's been cool kind of, you know, building that relationship and now getting to here. So thanks. Yeah. For sure. And like I said, you're sounding good. This whole Discord thing is working very well. So I'm glad we were able to do that. Yeah. So very, very cool. Now, one of the big reasons you're on the show is because you have your brand new album, Escape Artist, coming out on September 25th. We are certainly going to talk about that a lot. But one question I just, you know, it is the basics. How has your day been, man? Like, what have you been up to? Uh, it's been pretty good. Pretty hectic. Um, I own a gym here in Michigan. Very cool. Um, so that's been pretty crazy for us, you know, with all the COVID stuff going on, um, you know, being shuttered for almost six full months. So, um, we have, you know, officially reopened last Wednesday. So yeah, thanks man. So it's, you know, it's been cool to see all of our members again and get back to that community, get some normalcy back in our lives. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, so it's been pretty great, pretty busy and exhausting, right? But um, a lot of fun. Was there anything specific? Because I can tell you for the gym that I go to that just recently opened. So basically they have dividers on everything. They have the sanitary wipes. They have the antiseptic. And then you have to wear a mask the entire time, no matter what. Are those the same rules you have to go by? <laughs> um, I'm going to answer this to the best of my ability <laughs> without getting myself in any trouble. Right. Um, so <laughs> Michigan is a crazy place right now, man. Um, the executive orders put out for us are different every week and they're different from like region to region. Mm-hmm. Um, so the new rules that we're supposed to be under are, you know, s- social distancing, of course, I'm sure that's the same at your gym. Yep. And then, um, no dividers, thankfully. Okay. Um, but like every other piece of cardio off, um, we're really like a coaching facility. So we just do like a ton of training. So we've got a lot of like turf with kettlebells. So we do a lot of training sessions with open space. Mm-hmm. So keeping people distanced, isn't too crazy. Lots of extra sanitation stations, of course, um, right. every other piece of cardio off. And then, yeah, we're supposed to be wearing masks, um, the whole time, unless you're swimming, which sure is cool i guess um but like the northern regions of michigan which are like no more rural than my area don't have to wear masks or anything like that so you know we're just doing what we can to keep people safe and healthy you know and just try to make a positive impact in our community so absolutely well i hope you guys do get to stay open as well that's one of the things that i always worry about that at some point massachusetts is going to say again you're locked down gosh and that would really suck yeah, I really hope <laughs> I keep my fingers crossed every day that that doesn't happen. Yeah, it's a weird time. And 
I mean, every single interview conversation that I do on the show now really does start off by talking about how COVID has affected, you know, you, your business, what you're doing every day, and you really just can't get around it because it does have such a huge impact. And now the question I would have for you, because you are in a very unique situation, but has anything really affected the release of escape artists? Has Have you been affected in some negative way because you're a lot different than other bands that might be, you know, planning a big tour or something like that? So how has that really affected you? Yeah. <clears throat> so I think that everything that was negative about it ended up positively affecting me. Ah. So, you know, I mean, the the album was complete really back in November even. Wow. And, you know, we're just still trying to work with, you know, finishing up vocals, I guess, you know, the fine tuning, um, you know, working with Garrett and working with Johnny mm-hmm. on stuff. And COVID hit like right when everybody was supposed to wrap up all their stuff. So like nobody could get to a studio. Right. So, you know, what was supposed to be a five or six song EP turned into me being able to create that relationship and reach out with um, Jonathan Gearing from the Devil Wears Prada. Right. So, you know, we revamped all the songs. Me and Andreas dug into the mix and changed the mix. Um, and it really evolved into what you've now heard. Um, so it's a, it's a completely different beast than, than what it was initially supposed to be. And I, and I couldn't be more happy about it, you know, and it allowed me a lot more time to focus on maybe some things that I might've been rushing through to try to get another release out. Um, so even though, you know, I'm releasing this thing now, almost like eight to nine months after what I thought I was going to release it. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, this is a, it's a completely different world and I couldn't be happier. Ah, okay. So now did that. And just so we'll kind of catch people up a little bit. So you put out reverie, you know, earlier in the year, last year, mm-hmm. and then you were already going back in the studio to do this EP and this, well, now it's an album, but when it was planned on being an EP, that was a, it's a prequel basically right to reverie it is yeah yep so it takes place beforehand and follows another you know the the antagonist is now the the protagonist yeah right and that was one of the really interesting things that really stuck me and really got me interested and excited was that you put a whole world and a story into your music as well so i think we're obviously going to tackle a lot of that but did the story change or did you add more to the story because you had time to do so? No, not really. Okay. So the the story that we're hearing in Escape Artist was always there in my mind. And I guess like on paper, because I mean, I guess when you're thinking about writing any type of a story, you've got to have some backstory in your mind to these characters to understand like where they're coming from and where they're going to be going. Right. So this was always there. And the, the second album, you know, was, was really, it's, it's alluded to in reverie. You know, I, I like to, I'm a huge Marvel geek, so I love those little Easter eggs, you know? (laughs) Um, so it's actually alluded to what the, 
what the next album will be called on um, Delectation um, at the end of it. So yes. I'll let you try to find it and see if you can figure out what it is. But um, Well, you fooled me, by the way. You fooled me because you had originally said that that story was, was going to continue in Land by Lighthouse. So I thought oh, yeah, we were getting... Oh, yeah, shit. So you already figured it out. Yeah. So, okay. so I already told you. So, um, yeah, so that that was supposed to be the next album, right? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, the the idea behind that one, you know, we'll, we'll get to it another time, but that one's supposed to follow Sukuyo through, you know, that story, Land by Lighthouse. Yes. And I really just um, kind of hit a period in my life where, like, the story, you know, when I write these stories and the songs and the album, what goes into them is a lot of like the emotion that I'm experiencing at the time. Ah. So I had like a completely different idea set out for that album that I just wasn't there mentally for. And I was really going through um, a pretty rough time, you ah. know, um, okay. when I started writing Escape Artist, um, I guess, you know, kind of riding that high of, of reverie. Mm-hmm and having a lot of fun with that and like my sobriety which is is still intact good, you know good. um but it cut it kind of like lost its luster you know and uh, depression kind of started setting back in um my career was was about to change heavily um and i just really was kind of at a at a low place and needed to put myself kind of back in check i guess okay. and i was reading a lot of the new Hulk comic books and listening to white bat from he is legend. And ah, sure. it's like a bunch of horror stuff going on mm-hmm. for me. So like this, like naturally needed to be like a horror album gotcha. um, and let me get like some of my emotions on paper that still followed the story. Mm-hmm. And it just naturally became escape artist. Wow. Wow. That's really, really interesting. So I guess the question, one of the questions right away is, so do you write the story out first? And then write music to the story. Hmm. It kind of all happens organically, I wow. guess. You know, um, like for Reverie, like that was supposed to be, you know, I've talked about it a couple of times. Like it was really just supposed to be like one song, like mm-hmm. me to prove to myself like that I could do this again. Um, you know, and write music and actually do something with all instruments and and really use what I had. Um, and that became three songs, four songs, then 10 songs, you know, and brought all these people on board and then felt like it was, you know, my duty to share this thing with the world and and my story to help other people heal. Mm-hmm. So the story really kind of like just kept evolving. And then the same thing really kind of happened with Escape Artist, I guess, you know, I mean, I kind of start with the general idea, but as I'm writing the music, you know, like one song I may think would would be, you know, track two, and that ends up being fucking track nine. Ah. For for God knows why. And it's, you know, <laughs> whatever the emotion is coming to me when I'm writing the vocals. Cause I I'll, you know, now some songs I write like a melody first. Like I've got the vocal line in mind, but there's not really a lot of words to it. And then the rest of the song will come. Other songs I may either either start with a riff or I might even start with drums. So things you know as i'm really feeling you know for this album i got all the music down first ah pretty much for the most part on this one and then was really just listening to the hell out of the instrumentals to write the vocals and build the rest of the story and make sure it had continuity 
Right, so right. this one, it kind of came, you know, with a little bit more of a process where the other one was uh, maybe maybe a little more random. Interesting. You know, and I think it really shows too. you know, I think that you can see the progression, you know, from Reverie to here. Yeah, for sure. I think in Reverie, one of the things that I actually liked about it as well is that it did kind of bounce around. You know, the story was being told, but the styles that you chose were different. So it kind of, it played along well with that kind of like, I, I remember, I think I remember describing it on the show and going through the, <laughs> going through the storyline and then also talking about how, you know, sometimes you sounded like an early 2000s post-hardcore band. And in another one, <laughs> it was like a more poppy metalcore kind of thing. And it was interesting going back and forth between that, but for sure, you know, I never thought the production was bad, but you can definitely tell you've made certain strides to make it sound different. There's a different tone in Escape Artist as well. And I think you hit on that a little bit earlier when you talked about how you're actually feeling and how that affects your actual music as well. Yeah, thanks for noticing that. I mean, I think that I hope a lot of people kind of notice that, right? Mm -hmm. um, I mean... Reverie did. There's a, a lot of people that kind of say that, you know, I mean, a lot of my songs in Reverie had to do with even like a lot of riffs and like melody lines that I had written like 15 years ago uh. when I was in a band in high school, you know, <laughs> and kind of revived those and revamped them. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of that stuff probably sounds like some 2000s post hardcore screamo stuff yeah. where I think that you know, a lot of people, you know, if if you listen to some of these other people that were my major influences, I mean, I was listening to, like I said, like, he is legend, white bat, um, like, drop dead gorgeous. Oh, yeah. A lot of Norma Jean, O sure. sleeper, yep. And stuff like that. And that's, you know, I think for sure, a lot of what I'm listening to plays into my vision, I suppose. So yep. yeah, the last one was really like me kind of getting stuff out and then this one's really like kind of fine-tuning that sound and figuring out like like what i really wanted to do with this right and when i heard that first intro into the first track i think one of my first things i said to you was wow that was dark yeah you know, i wasn't i wasn't expecting right away for it just to be full out like just really hardcore unclean screaming vocals and you just, you know, you knocked it out of the park. It was great. My question is, when you are writing or when you were actually performing Escape Artists, did you actually have that cathartic feel to it? Were you able to get out that aggression and that emotion so that you actually felt level again? Yeah, yeah. You know, I was actually talking to a buddy about that the other day. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I think it's kind of a crazy thing to put your mind into this story you know when you're like writing a horror album it probably didn't do me any good <laughs> um to really have to like not only feel these things but then also in you know try to feel what this character is feeling right um and, and it really did and i think you know the progression of the album really shows that like mm -hmm. even like my mom is uh my mom's 80 and wow. she was like, whoa, I really hope you're okay. Like, <laughs> I hope that I hope your music starts to like show more of who you are. Sure. And I was like, well, it does. I was like, wait, <laughs> wait until like more stuff comes out, you know? And I think like 
restitution, which just came out really, you know, like kind of shows that, you know, you really see as the character goes from dark to light. I mean, that's what happened to me, you know, and that's kind of the nature of like, I guess those chemicals, you know, like I, I can't always like control the way that my mind feels sometimes. And, and I'm, I'm learning to live with that, you know? And, and I think that that's kind of like where that natural progression was able to go through. So, yeah, I mean, for me, writing music and getting this all out is absolutely what helps me heal mentally. Okay. Now, do you think though, that being, you know, quote unquote unhealthy or, or not having your mind as healed, do you think that you wouldn't have been able to write what you wrote had you been healed? You know what I mean? Like, would this story, would this part of the story not been told had you been in a different state of mind? Yeah, for sure. No, no, it wouldn't have. Wow. Uh, It might not, it really, you know, might even be safe to say that this album might not have even happened. You know, I mean, I, it wasn't, like a schedule or a plan, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, like, uh, like you said, this is a lot different for me than it is for a lot of other artists and bands out there. Cause they've got a label to, to follow, or they're on a, you know, they have a specific touring schedule and then their only time to write is when they're off touring, you know, and, and yep. making sure that they're getting everything out in the studio where for me, it's just coming down into my basement, into my studio and doing it when I want to. So right. I really just kind of hit that point mentally where I was like, I need to write a fucking song. And, you know, a a lot of my lyrics, sometimes they're not, they're not even really written down, you know? So the lyrics that you hear in flexibility, that, that was all one take. Wow. That wasn't, that wasn't writing it down. That was the, the, no joke, the first take of the vocals. And and that was it. It was printed and I never went back. It just was what it was, and it's what came out of my mouth. And yeah, so this album for sure. <laughs> if yeah. I was in a really, really safe haven of mind, I suppose this this album probably wouldn't exist. Wow, that's that's very interesting. And I think something that people also need to know is that not only when you go down there and you're you're in your studio, you do a one take. You're also not only you're doing the unclean vocals, you're also doing guitars, bass, drums, and then whenever you want to, you you do clean vocals as well, but you're basically doing everything. You are the band. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's kind of a, it, I don't think it's like quite a new concept, Sure, but it is, I think a little bit to the extent that I do it in this scene, right. you know, I mean the, really the only people that you see bringing on so many features and like a full album is like Kanye West, you sure. know, yeah. um, and like rap artists and stuff like that. So yeah, it's definitely a little different. I think that there's a lot of people out there though in this scene that write and record all their own stuff and and do this very similarly. And I think that there's probably a lot of people out there that that deserve a lot of the same credit too. Um, sure. It's it's not easy to to try to do this all on your own. It's it's pretty maddening, that's for sure. It's a lot to do. I'd imagine so. Now, I guess and you know, doing a podcast by yourself is nowhere near putting together a full band and doing things. But the question would be for you though is when you talk about mental health and how you're feeling about certain things, would you want to have a, a full band? Like, would you want to have that band there to, you know, shoulder some of that weight with you as well? Or is this really the only way that you know, hey, I can put out music this way. I really don't want anyone else for this kind of thing. Yeah, you know, I get that, that question quite often 
kind of um and i think it would certainly be potentially simple to to bring some people on board you know and like and like learn these songs and play them live but i don't think that's quite where it's at for me okay right now um and i thankfully i have a really good support system when you kind of talk about like shouldering some of that that weight like mentally i guess so i have a good support system good. you know at home and with friends to to kind of shoulder that you know i might be weird to say but or to admit but i i mean i i work with a counselor you know yeah, a sure. psychiatrist you know every other week and stuff so i do it you know maybe eventually it would be fun to do some live shows but who even knows where that's going at this well, that's, point yeah that's that's why this actually releasing music right now for you isn't really as different you know it's not like i said you wouldn't have had a full live tour you wouldn't have had anything planned so that you would have gone out there and had you know press vinyls and stuff like that where other bands they're going to get hurt pretty bad by not having a tour going on while their music comes out yeah that's got to be unimaginable i definitely feel for all those people out there that are that like, I mean, that's their lifeblood is, is touring and, and selling merch and, and connecting with people in person. You know, I'm, I definitely am thankful that, that my platform is, is slightly different. Right. Well, let me, let me ask you this. And I don't know if you've been asked this before, but you talk about having a counselor or a psychiatrist. And one of the things that I think, and you, you had mentioned sobriety before as well. And I know that a lot of musicians, when, you know, they used to write on drugs or alcohol, whatever, whatever, you know, maybe in a relationship, whatever it had been, whatever their support system was or what they used when they were writing, once that's gone, you know, they don't know if they can kind of get that back or have that ability to write. Do you ever worry about that whatsoever? No, I don't actually. And that was the purpose of like the message behind Reverie, I guess. Mm -hmm. So I completely agree with you. You know, I've got, uh, you know, a lifelong friend, you know, one of my best friends since I was three years old and, um, he's addicted to heroin, you know, oh. and he really followed in Kurt Cobain's steps kind of, you yes. know, and really idolized him. Yeah. And every time that he would try to get clean, he would try to pick up his guitar and write music. I think too quickly, you know, before he was able to really fully heal because uh, he thought that's what he needed and it would drag him right back. I so see. that's kind of what, you know, I, I abstained from not only, you know, substances, but I abstained from music, you know, for my first year into sobriety, because every time I did, you know, every time I used, like I would get just obliterated and I uh, would try to try to even just get my recording software to work. Couldn't do that play the guitar until my fingers wouldn't work anymore. So then I'd beat on the drums and then I would just be like blaring music, you know, until uh. I fell asleep basically. And every time, you know, the, the very few times that I tried to pick up an instrument that first year of sobriety, my body definitely felt like it was gearing up to use again. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of the goal was to like, sh you know, show people like you can totally get back to the things that you enjoy, but, sometimes you need to take the time away from it. I see. You know, and that's what kind of birth reverie is. It, it allowed me to like gain my inspiration back um, by taking a little bit of time off. Okay. All right. So do you think, you know, being in a bad headspace basically for escape artist, do you have that feeling that in the future you're going to look back on this 
and basically not want to touch it. You know what I mean? Oh, no way. Okay. Um, I'm super happy with it. Nice. I think that it's, a, you know, it's, it's exactly what I would have wanted for it. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. I was about to say, cause I'm a big fan of it too. So I just wasn't sure if this is going to be the last time that you take a look at the characters and, and everything going on. And then, you know, later on, you're going to be like, ah, fuck that. I don't want, I don't want to be in that headspace. No. And I completely, I completely understand not wanting to be in the headspace. That, that completely makes sense. But it would, it would certainly be a shame to see the story go away. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and I mean, to put it bluntly, I mean, I'm happy for the lows that I get, I guess, you know, I mean, it, it means I'm real, right? right? You know, I mean, we all, we all go through that. If mine are a little bit more drastic than some people's, I mean, some people have it way worse than I do for oh, sure. sure. So sure. yeah, I think it's all positive in the end. Very cool. No, no, I, I appreciate being able to hear that behind the scenes stuff because that was the first thing that I noticed, you know, like I said, listening to it, I was like, wow, this is a huge change from reverie. So but that's also something that I look for in music as well, is I don't necessarily want the same thing over and over again. Like I, I want the style of music that I like for sure, but to have the same exact thing as a musician, you know, you kind of don't want to be pigeonholed as that person. And this showed a lot of extra maturity. It showed that you can change directions. It, so it was very interesting to go through track by track and really realize and get into the story that you were telling. Thanks, man. Absolutely. So one of the things we definitely got to cover is your features, because that is a big part of Reverie. It's a big part of Escape Artist. So the big question would be, how do you get all these people to come be on these albums? Because it's got to be interesting for them, I would think, too. Now, do you share the character names with them? Do you share the story? before you have them record are you just giving them lyrics are they you know hearing the story and then writing their own stuff and then you're approving it how does that all work because that is fascinating <laughs> thanks um so i guess it's a couple of different ways i definitely like to share the story with the individuals but these guys are serious professionals you yeah, know um I've been playing music since I was 14, you know, I'm almost 30 now. And, you know, until on Reverie, when I really got some of those vocals over from like Kurt and Garrett, I was yeah. like, holy shit. I was like, th their voice is their instrument. Like until you really hear that, you know, completely stripped away, you don't really know like what it's worth. Sure. Um, so, you know, but going into it, of course, knowing that these guys are hugely influential, they're, they're amazing vocalists. I wanted them to be able to write their parts. So, but not just having them like all of a sudden I'm trying to make a concept out of this thing. And I'm like, yeah, Kurt, why don't you sing about strawberry swishers? I don't know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, you know, I mean, we definitely got to follow the storyline, let them know about what's going on. Um, you know, they read the synopsis for each track and the okay. ones before it to really understand what's going on. Certainly. Um, so that continuity, continuity for me has got to stay there yeah but yeah I, I definitely want them to write their own melodies and i don't want them to be constricted by a certain lyric subset you know or, or amount of syllables that they're going to have to hit that's going to change the way that they would want to sing to that right so a, a lot of it's on them um and to answer your question about 
how to how did I get up with them in the first place? It's really just like hitting them up on Instagram to start. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, you have no idea that this is going to like come to fruition like this, you know, sure. when, when you, you know, when I started Reverie and I mean, there's some artists that I reached out to that. I mean, even like their managers were like, no, nah, this is really like not the direction that they're wanting to go in, uh, you know? And I was like, okay. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> you know, well, well, I guess this isn't going to happen, you know? And then all of a sudden you get like, you know, some of your top dogs, like the guys that I, that, that I really admire that were like, hell yeah, I yeah. absolutely want to be a part of something like this. And I mean, especially Garrett, you know, and, and Aaron Gillespie, for example, I mean, you know, teaming up with to write love on her arms. I mean, that means a whole different level. You know, I'm not, not like looking to these guys to say like, Hey, will you be on my track to help me become famous? You know, or, or like to help me get heard where, some other bands, you know, I really respect when bands like you spoke with somebody recently that was like, I don't want to, you know, we don't work with people that we don't have a relationship with, right? you know, that they right. haven't toured with or played with. And I, and I completely respect that. And I understand that that's not really like an opportunity for me, but these people, you know, whether they had met me before or not, I had a relationship with in my mind because of what their music did to me yep. as a kid, you know, yeah, and growing sure. up. So you know, they were the idea in my mind. Yeah. And it worked out perfect. And Garrett and I have been able to, you know, kind of cultivate a relationship as well. And, you know, we keep in touch and he's not far from me. And, you know, we might work on some other things like business wise together as well that are not music. Cool. So okay. it's been really cool to create those relationships. You know, some people I'm more in contact with than others for sure. sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, if I go down the list here, just so people know, this is starting on Reverie, and then it goes to Escape Artist, but you've got Kurt Travis, who you mentioned, you've got Renati, you've got Garrett Rapp, you've got Aaron Gillespie, you've got Sam Cole, you've got Johnny Craig. It's a crazy amount of features. And even if someone doesn't know who they are, what's really cool is it adds another texture and another level to what you're doing. So you're telling more of the story by adding different voices in. And like I mentioned before, one of the things I also like is that it's not that they're necessarily telling your voice. They have a different character that you've made up that is part of the story for them as well, which I think is very cool and something that I've only seen one band do before. And I don't think that they even necessarily do. I don't know. I don't think they do necessarily the character development in the songs the same way you do. So it's very interesting. When did it come to you that you wanted certain people to be certain characters instead of just making it, you know, you're singing this and you're singing this and you kind of put it together and it's amalgamation. You actually designated characters for them. Yeah. So I think that happened while reverie was expanding ah. you know i getting a couple of songs in i was really to a point where i was like okay well the story like kind of makes sense but like how can one character or me being two characters protagonist and antagonist really like tell enough of the story mm -hmm. and have it be compelling enough <laughs> to even <laughs> want to pay attention to and obviously a lot of other bands write concept albums yeah. um but yeah, it's not as much of like, this is like a, this is kind of like a musical, right? Yeah. Well, you um, created a world. 
I mean, you have exactly a, you have a world. You have a picture map on your website that people can go to and see the places that you're talking about. So yeah, you've gone a little bit above and beyond that. Yeah, yeah. So that was that. You know, that was fun to be able to to take that approach to it instead. Yeah, the only other band, the only other band that I think has maybe gone a little bit above that, that at least that I can remember off the top of my head, is Alisana, because they did a full novel to go along oh, with their story. Yeah, with their story of Annabelle. So they told the story of Annabelle through, I want to say, three full-length albums, and then did a whole, well, it wasn't like a huge novel, but they they did a novel on it. So would you ever want to do something like that where you kind of not only telling your story through music, but also telling the story through something like a graphic novel or a novel itself? Yeah, I would love to do that. I mean, I think another band that kind of showed that is like Coheed and Cambria, of ah, course. Ah, sure, yeah. yeah. yeah they, they have like a whole comic book about it and I forgot everything. about that. And I completely forgot yeah, about I, that. <laughs> it's hard to think. It's hard to think of that one, you know. Um, so right now it's kind of more like musical. You know, another band that kind of did this really well is Forgive Durden. Um, with Razia's Shadow, ah. they did it really cool. You know, they had um, like the guy from Panic at the Disco on there. Max Bemis was on there and oh, stuff wow. like that. <laughs> um, you know, so I mean, we have real high profile names now. And I mean, it's a killer album, but it's really like a musical. But yeah, it was, you know, after Reverie released, I was in talks with um, some different artists from like Marvel and DC. And it's definitely an option. Okay. Um, but I have to continually kind of keep myself in check. Like, you know, how do I do this and still be able to give back? Yes. Right. Since that's kind of the overall goal. So yeah, I mean, if this stuff really takes off at some point, you know, um, <laughs> then yeah, I'm, I definitely want to do that. Okay. All right. Well, by the way, I mean, since you did mention the giving back part, I did want to go over that. We'll, we'll go into, you know, some of the certainties or some of the details in the plug section. But I do want to mention your partnership with To Write Love on Her Arms. Like, I want to understand how this, because you mentioned giving back. How does the whole dynamic work between you two? Is it a partnership? How does it work? Good question. <laughs> I think <laughs> it's probably different no matter who you would ask about it, I guess. Um, I mean, I I think it's a partnership, I suppose, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm giving them all my proceeds from this. Wow. And, I, and I think that that's the best thing for me to be able to do. I mean, like I said, I, this is not my primary source of income, you sure. know, and I, if, if it ever could be cool, but, but it is, it's, it's my mental release. It's for my health and I want it to be able to be for other people's health too, mm -hmm. you know, and spread that story. So what, whether it's a partnership or, or I'm just donating <laughs> money, um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's still what it is what it is at its core, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, and I've been able to cultivate a relationship with some of the team over there at Twiloha too. And I mean, they're just awesome people. So it makes me want to kind of keep, you know, really keep staying this way with this. And I'm fine with that. Very, very interesting. So how did you, did you reach out to them then and really go over what you wanted the band to be? Or... I, I don't I guess I don't know how did that initial part start? Yeah, so I did reach out to them actually. Mm -hmm. Um trying to remember what I really said. Um <laughs> you know, I mean I think I think I just reached out and like 
my initial idea of like trying to understand now, you know, where, where can in, income sources come from? You know, I've got a real entrepreneurial mind to it. So, you know, I try to look at this like a business, I suppose. Yeah. While it also being pleasure, you know, especially if I'm going to try to give back to them. And, um, so I remember when I first started the concept for Reverie, I spoke with my accountant and I was like, how do I start a nonprofit? Ah, okay. <laughs> and they were like, don't do that. You're going to put way <laughs> more money into trying to start your own nonprofit that may not go anywhere. You're going to waste money and you're never going to be able to help. Ah, you know, and sure. I was like, oh, and they were like, well, find somebody that you connect with and see if they'll be willing to team up. And, you know, that's kind of what I did. And, and they came first to mind. Um, they were pretty impactful to me. You know, when I got into this music scene, it was really like, all Christian bands like Case the Day, sure. Norma Jean, Under Oath. And I mean, that's what was around was right. Aloha. So they were one of the first band t-shirts I had. So oh. yeah, I reached out to them and I was like, I'd really like to help, you know, and this is my idea. And they were like, well, yeah, then <laughs> absolutely. We're, you know, they're, they're not going to turn down the help. No, no. So, and, and yeah, and, and now we're here today. Very cool. Yeah, I've I've noticed they've been doing and who knows, maybe I just didn't see it as much before, but I've noticed that they've been doing a whole lot more in the scene. I mean, the thing I think of that was recent or would have been recent had COVID not happened was they were sponsoring the Scary Kids Scaring Kids reunion tour. Oh, sweet. so yeah, they were going to have people at every show with like a, you know, a whole little merch booth where people could go for help. And talk about things and then also obviously support by buying a piece of merch as well. But that was going to be their tour. And I hadn't seen them do anything like that. And like I said, they might have and I just missed it. But I thought that was very interesting that they've been getting a lot more into the scene recently. And maybe that's just because people have been so much so much more open with their feelings about mental health. And knowing that you can reach out and get help and it's something not to be embarrassed by or to hold back with, that it's it's great to go get help if you need it. So maybe that's just the way to do it. So it's just very cool to hear that you were thinking about that and wanted to reach out to them in the first place. Yeah, thanks, man. I, I really love what they stand for, for sure. And the things that they're doing are so cool to this day, you know it was really cool what they were doing years and years and years ago, mm -hmm. you know, but I mean, they're able to do so much more now. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. I think the scene is still pretty niche, niche, whichever way you want to put it. And <laughs> they, they are now able to reach more people, I think through that scene. And then, you know, it's like a community kind of feel. So I think that makes people feel more confident and more safe going and talking to people in that group than they might feel about going to their, you know, school guidance counselor or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. All right. We will definitely talk a little bit more about that during the plug section for sure. But let's get back to Escape Artist. So one of the things that struck me a little bit, and tell me if I'm wrong on this one, but it seemed like the song Clouds as Mountains isn't actually part of the story. Am I right on that? Yeah, you're right. It's not a part of the story at all. Well, let me backtrack. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, having having Renati on it, she's definitely playing the part of the mother again. Of ten. Um, and yeah. kind of cycling back through that portion. Okay. Um, 
and her lyrics are absolutely set to be a part of that story. But my lyrics are, I guess you could look at them as the character's thoughts, but they're really my thoughts too. And it, it was more of kind of like a, a note to all the listeners. You know, I mean, it starts right. out by saying, you know, to anyone who will listen, you know? Yeah. So it really is, you know, I, I think that it was a lot of my thoughts and my feelings about where I am today and in relationships and friendships and stuff like that. And, and really getting it out there so that that is my voice and trying to help everybody understand a little bit more where I'm coming from. Right. Now, is there a reason why actually to let you know something again, I don't think I told you this one before I said that was one of my favorite tracks, but as I continue to listen, I think that is my favorite track on the album. Which is weird because I love the story and I love jumping into everything that you're doing. But for some reason, like I said, the dynamics of your screaming and her like haunting, melodic, like beautiful vocals just work so well together. Yeah, thanks, man. That, you know, I mean, that was an emotional song to write. Yeah. You know, I mean, when you're really getting down to like, the root of how you feel in that song, you know, and what I'm really saying in there. I mean, I think, you know, there, there were spots where, you know, a, a lot of bands, maybe when they're recording, they may, you know, overdub something or re-record a spot, mm-hmm. you know, where y- you hear my voice crack in that yeah, song right. a couple of times, you know, and it's, yeah. So it's pretty emotional, you know, talking about those things for sure. Now, was there a reason in the placement of the album that you didn't put that last because you finished with confluence and that's that, you know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the instrumentals. That's an in- instrumental to, you know, leave the story where it is at that time. And then it goes into reverie. If people want to listen, basically you would listen to escape artists first, maybe, and then go into reverie when you talk about timelines. But mm-hmm. was there a reason for not ending with clouds as mountains since it almost has an ending feel to it? Yeah, I think it does too. I think I really struggled with with where to place that song, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I think when you're thinking about the the placements of tracks and you know I, maybe a little bit of OCD kicking in, kind of like the the order that things are in and like how many tracks are full songs and then what's an interlude and then how many more tr- like full tracks are there. Sure, that was just kind of like the really natural placement and. I mean, I've drove myself crazy listening to this entire album over and over and over and over again, just trying to figure out, yeah, where to place like those last three tracks, um, you know, Restitution, Clouds as Mountains and, and Confluence. And that's that's where they ended up. And that's what felt most right to me, mm-hmm. I think. So I, I hope that the listeners kind of find that, too. Yeah, I think they will. as well. I mean, it's almost, you know, it's almost a normality in some cases, especially when when it's a concept album, to hear an instrumental end things. It it does happen quite often. Mm-hmm. So that does make sense of why you would kind of, you know, bookmark the end with something like that. But I guess that also leads into, we had talked about this as well, there are three instrumentals on the album itself, but it's nine tracks, so it's less than what Reverie is. Was there a time that you were trying to not fill in the space but add more to the story, you know, to put more tracks in there? And how do you decide that those instrumentals weren't going to have any words to them, that they were going to be more of a tone shift in the actual story? 
Yeah. Okay. So that's a good question. So, and the album is actually going to be 10 tracks. So like the initial song is, is instrumental coming in. So like the YouTube video that you see is like the first and second track. So it gives kind of like, like the actual track released flexibility, just like boom, wanted to come in and hit that thing just real hard Mm -hmm. so that people knew what was going to be happening, I guess. Um, and then, you know, for those instrumentals, it, yeah, I think that the reason for keeping them instrumental and going with that genre, you know, whether it's like lo-fi or or chill hop was something that, you know, John Gearing and I came up with to be able to help the listener basically relax a little bit from the unrelenting heaviness that's come uh. out of this album. <laughs> um, but like you said, to be able to make that tone shift where I think there's something that's really cool that's going on with artists that do like that lo-fi genre really well is that it is, it is it's like nostalgic it brings back memories so like if you're following along with the story like sometimes i think some of those tracks are gonna make people even feel a little bit more than what they might feel from some of the songs even with vocals on them right okay all right yeah i mean how, how much like you talk about kind of going crazy trying to figure out how you're going to place everything do those instrumentals kind of come to you based on the story or is that something you were really trying to magnify and really work through and tearing your hair out because you didn't know, wait, was this the right tone for this area? Was this the right tone for that one? How did that all fit into place for you? Yeah. So that, I mean, that was really deeply planned. Okay. So, I mean, if you listen to like the first interlude, and if you're following along with the story, you can hear in the song like creaks and cracks of like a ship. Yes. And right. like kind of like like a rain type sound. So it is very much meant to like really pull you into like, where's this character at right now? Um, and then same thing with like Abscond, you know, the song that's already released. I mean, yeah, that you know, little bit of vocal sample that's in there is really very much meant to be like the sirens song of the album. Gotcha. So yeah, they they were pretty strategically placed there to to flow with the album. So that part wasn't too too difficult to try to figure out. Oh, okay. Now, was there a reason why you didn't want to do narration in this album compared to Reverie? Yes. So, you know, kind of how we touched on earlier, this album much more emotional to me you know where the story is much more followed by the feeling of what's of what's being said in the lyrics where reverie is actually very much telling you what's happening lyrically right right. sure um so yeah that was yeah that was kind of purposeful um to remove some of that narration and I, I don't think that there was really a great spot to to add it in. Right. Yeah, you might be forcing it. Yeah. Have you done it that way? It's, it's almost like, uh, have, I mean, I'm assuming you have, but have you seen Donnie Darko? Yes. Have you seen the director's cut? Mm-mm. Okay. No. So this might be interesting for you. So the way I look at this kind of storytelling sometimes is that for Donnie Darko is my all-time favorite movie. Like, I, I don't think it'll ever change I think it's just locked in there in my number one spot. And I love the original and I love the director's cut. But the director's cut, because so many people had trouble 
understanding what was happening in Donnie Darko, they added extra scenes that tell a little bit more or more blatant to the story, and they also add chapter notes. So they take from the book of Roberta Sparrow, and they have writing on them, and they kind of show you, oh, this is how the story is progressing. So it's making, it's not dumbing it down, but it's changing the feel of the movie so that more people might be able to understand and grasp it, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So that seems to be what you were kind of doing here. You know, instead of just saying, obviously, it might have been hard to find a place to do it, but then also you're letting people kind of lead themselves through the story and your feelings at the same time without being told this is what you're supposed to feel or this is what's happening. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, hopefully helps this album, you know, and, and the songs be a little bit more relatable to people, right? You know, yeah. it's really difficult in reverie for some people to maybe like emotionally attach to a song that's like really just filling some story here, sure. <laughs> you know? Sure. Um, so, yeah. No, I can, I can certainly understand that. It's like, for instance, you look at consciousness and in that track, they are captured, you know, based on the story, they're captured and there's a siren. They're trying to figure a way out while still being, you know, entranced by that siren song. But it doesn't have to specifically say that in the, in the actual lyrics. It's just that's what you know. That's the accompaniment to that song. But you're not slapping in the fi- people in the face by saying, hey, I'm in this cage. And I don't know how to get out. And there's a beautiful woman singing, you know, so I completely, exactly, completely understand that. Yeah. Yeah. I tried to kill some of the, the over redundancy, right there. Yeah. There is an album gone through it and I hope that people can find that, but I think this makes escape artists a little bit more enjoyable to not have to read that too. Not to say that you have to do that with reverie by any means, but definitely a little bit easier to understand that album maybe than this one is just on its own. Sure. Believe me, I mean, it's something, like I said, when we did the review of Reverie on the old show, it's something that I very much enjoyed because not only did you have, you know, the list of characters that would be in the story, but you also had the accompaniment as well. So not only do I get to look at the lyrics, do I get to hear the song and read the accompaniment, you're just getting that whole... 360 view of everything so with escape artist people can just listen to it you know they can just enjoy themselves and go straight through go back and forth you know play songs on repeat if they want to but if they want to really jump in to what the other story is about if you want to say it that way then they can look at that album accompaniment and you go through every single track and you also talk about where there's some, you know, combination between Reverie as well so that people understand how the story flows. And I love that kind of thing. I'm happy with that. Cool. Yeah, I think it gives it gives the listener more things that they can do if they want to. And it allows you not to tell a separate story, but it's almost two parallel stories where the the listener can think of or the audience can think of what they want and put those lyrics to things that are happening in their life and they can go ahead and read the story as well. And then they get to take, you know, they get to go to this fantasy world that you created and have kind of a graphic novel feel at the same time. 
Yeah, absolutely. You nailed it. That's exactly what the purpose is. Good. And we'll, and I mean, I might as well say the website now too. I'll say it at the end as well, but it's boybecomeshero.com. And it's very, very simple. Not only is there a shop there, but you can look at escape artist and reverie, see the map, see pictures that have been made of everything. And then the accompaniment as well. There's just a ton of stuff. So it's just, I don't know. I like that. You know, not to not to keep on giving you compliments, but I, I like <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone needs it every once in a while. I like that extra bit of effort that gives me something else to connect to the story. Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate that. No problem at all. So one of the things we talked about off air, I definitely wanted to ask you about because it's always, you know, a hot button topic. One of my favorite, you know, tracks on the album is Consciousness. And that has Johnny Craig featuring. And one of the things about Johnny Craig right now is that he really doesn't do a lot of features anymore in scene music. You know, he has his EP, which would be considered, I don't know, almost SoundCloud R&B rap, you know, somewhere yeah. around there. He's not doing the same stuff that he used to do, but everything he's doing here really complements the music well. And I just wanted to know basically how you guys hooked up, how you were able to get everything, and was there a reason why you didn't bring him in for Reverie compared to Escape Artist? Yeah, so to answer that last question first, I guess um, I don't even know that I was like really thinking of Johnny when when I was writing Reverie. Huh. You know, he, he wasn't somebody that I reached out to for that album. But yeah, f- like you're saying, I mean, people love to hate, right? I mean, right sure. now, cancel culture is is crazy. And and you said it before. I mean, he's like the one person you can't cancel. <laughs> like right. the the dude is is unbeatable. It, no matter what somebody says or what he does or doesn't do, he, he's just like still making music, and and uh, he, you know he's on top of the world. Oh, yeah. Um, and you know, I mean, our our relationship with each other is really funny, actually. Like, I mean, the, the first time I met him was in a show at Grand Rapids um, in this basement with Drop Dead Gorgeous, Dove Wars Prada, and Dance Gavin Dance. And I mean, yeah. it was like 105 degrees inside of the place. <laughs> the ceiling was sweating. I yep. was this little chubby 15-year-old, like, at this scene show. And... <laughs> I mean, they, they like stopped the show mid show and they were like, everybody like needs to get water, like, or we're going to have to shut this thing down. It's too hot in here. Wow. And me with my beet red little face, me and my buddy start walking out the back and, and there's Johnny and he looks at me and he's like, dude, you you need this water, man. And like gives me his water bottle. (laughs) And like me at 15, I was like, whoa, he's like my idol. You know I mean? Like I list like found him on, you know, ghost runner on third, like was following his career, loved him to death, you know? And. I was like, wow, what a cool thing. Right. And then come two years later, he's in Amorosa and I play a show with him in Michigan um, with my, you know, my band opens up for like Amorosa, cool. Skylet Drive, Sky Eats <laughs> Airplane, Damn. you know, what a ridiculous show to do <laughs> at, at like 16 or 17. That's and awesome. the dude gets up there and says, everybody give a round of applause to all the shitty local bands that came out tonight and gave it a try. And I was like, Oh fuck him. I was like, come on dude. And that was our last show. Like my band had just broken up because oh. like our drummer was going to go off to college. And I like cried for days about it. It was like worse than a breakup. And right, right. I was like, Oh man, like now I have to hate you. You know, like that sucks. 
And then, you know, still love his music, you know what I mean? And follow his career. And then, you know, years later, you know, I'm like 23 now, see him at the same place in Grand Rapids again, but the show is like 10% the size. Oh, wow. And, uh, and he was, you know, on one of those sober kicks at the time and talked with him after the show, told him about the experiences I had had with him and, you know, took a picture and he gave me his email and was like, yeah, man, like if you want to collaborate sometime, let me know. And yeah. And I, I mean, I was writing acoustic stuff, recording it through the mic on my MacBook. You know what I mean? (laughs) Hey, don't say, don't say MacBooks. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, so, you know, I, I never reached out to him until now and, you know, was really seeing all the flack that he's getting in the media and the YouTube videos and all that stuff. And, it really resonated with me because I've been there, you know, maybe our situations aren't exactly the same, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, but I've, I've been to a place for sure where, you know, I've been using and I've hurt people, you know, I've, I've tarnished relationships and friendships and, um, you know, I'm, I'm doing everything now that I can to, to change that, Mm -hmm. you know, and to, to, to follow a path of restitution, you know, to kind of take it back to the album. And, um, that's kind of what I did was I reached out to him and I was like, I, I, I kind of want to know like where he's at. You know, I want to give, give him a chance yeah. at this, right. you know, where there were a couple of people that were supposed to be on the album that backed out because uh, he, because he was going to be on it. Oh, and I was wow. like, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, because like the week that we agreed upon this, you know, I, I let everybody know. And then no joke the next day that, article comes out about all that shit and i was like oh my gosh i was like you've got to be kidding me wow and i mean for sure you know other people you know that i work with gave me some you know real heads up about what you know having him on the album could do you know negatively and i just felt in my heart that you know through our conversations together and the direction that he's you know, moving it and trying to move mentally. And yep. now with his, you know, little, little son storm and yep. stuff yep. like I wanted to give him the chance, you know, to be a part of this thing that, that is meant for the greater good. And, you know, I mean, I mean, he attached to it in a second and he yep. was like, this is for a good cause. I want to be a part of this and I'm going to do what it takes to make it happen. Right. right. So I think that was really cool. And I think that like people need to understand that, you know, I mean, there's, there's a lot, a lot of us, if not all of us have done something in the past that we've regretted, we've hurt yeah. people, you know what I mean? Like, no oh, one's sure. perfect. And how, how are we supposed to move forward if everybody condemns us and damns us for like the past things that we've done? Exactly. You know, so, yep. I mean, this will forever go down as like wh- where he was now, you know, who he is on this album has nothing to do with anything other than him being a part of something that like we love and that we wanted to put out to everybody, you know, and, and Garrett said it the best, you know, I mean, I, I'll be honest, I asked him, you know, I, re- I really looked to him, um, for direction. And, um, I was like, dude, some, some people are back and out. Like, how do you feel about this? And he was like, I don't care. I just like to sing. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I was I like, like okay. I was like, yep, th- we're doing this. I was like, this is exactly like, I'm going to, I'm going to talk with him a little bit more and make sure I feel completely comfortable with it but that really kicked it over is that i was like things aren't black and white you know i mean 
he's a vocalist. Let, let him sing on some stuff. His voice is phenomenal. Like, oh, you just can't get away you, from it. Just, yeah. yeah, just because you hear his voice on something doesn't mean that like he's hurting you or hurting somebody. Right. So I just don't, you know, I have a really hard time understanding some of that stuff. And I, you know, I, I wanted him to be able to be who he was and, and to understand what he's working towards. And I think that he's on a similar path to where I was, you know, three and a half years ago when I begun my sobriety. And of course he's taken some trips up and down, for you sure. know, throughout the path, but maybe this is the one that sticks for him, you know, and I believe him. So I'm, you know, you know, I don't have to stick up for him. No, you know, we're not best friends <laughs> or anything, but, but, but for sure. I mean, I, I think, I think he's taken the right steps, you know? Yeah, no, I, I completely understand. I think it's something that is very, very strange happening in society where all of a sudden people think that everyone is perfect or is supposed to be perfect. And if for some reason they haven't been perfect all their life and they mean something to you, then you have to somehow remove them from your life because no one can change apparently. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, I know. I'm just I'm not used to it. It's very strange to me. Like I, I completely understand if someone hurt you personally and you know they never apologized or whatever it happens to be, for sure, write that person off. Like I, I completely get it. But I've known so many people in my life and I've made mistakes in the past as well that I have been absolutely gutted about and apologize for and try to change my life for the better. And sure, I can't I can't help if other people want to not be a part of my life because of that. And, and no one can, you know, really worry about that. But you would kind of expect that since we're all humans and mistakes are part of our entire lives, that people would understand that a little bit more. And it seems like you're never given that chance anymore. Yeah, it's pretty unbelievable. I I hope that, you know, I mean, when, like when all this COVID stuff started, you know, I mean, it like first thing in my mind, I was like, maybe this is what we need. Like maybe our communities can like finally come together and like neighbors <laughs> will help neighbors and, <laughs> you know, and then all of a sudden even I'm in lockdown for two months and I like see neighbors, kids like run into play with other neighbors, kids with no masks on. And I'm like, that's it. I'm calling the police. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, house. okay, okay. Whoa. I got to put myself in check here. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, that's the conversation about these albums too, right? Is that like, I mean, things are ever changing. Our yes. mental states are ever changing. We're humans. Like, we have an amazing opportunity. Like what a ridiculous universe that we live in that we have the opportunity to do so many different things. Like we, and how are you supposed to do better if you do, if you don't do bad? Right. You know I mean? There's so many people out there that I know that have lived such sheltered lives and you know, all they've ever done is good. And then the, then the, the second that they make one wrong step, it's devastating to them and they don't know what to do with it. You right. know, and I, I mean, yep. I've messed up countless times in my oh, life. Yeah. My life has been a wreck. Right. But I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for the people in my life giving me another chance and helping me learn right. from those mistakes. So, I mean, like we, we owe that to some of these people. And like you said, I mean, yeah, if somebody hurts you personally, like really crazily, you know what I mean? Then yeah, write them off. Sure. You know, I mean, if, if it's illegal, I don't know. Make a police report. Yeah, for <laughs> you know, sure. uh, yeah. and and like handle things the way that they should be handled. But 
th- yeah, things are for sure out of control. And I, and I hope that, you know, as a society, we can all learn to kind of change that a little bit, but that's the trend right now. Yeah, no, it's, it's very similar and it's, it's a little bit skewed, but obviously we're talking, you know, fantasy and, and storytelling with you as well as, as the music. When you look at zombie movies, right? And it's, I know it's weird to kind of talk about it, but in zombies, unless it's, you know, 28 days later or something where they're ridiculously fast and whatnot, really, it's not ever the zombies that you're worried about when you watch the movies or watch The Walking Dead. It's people that are in the zombie movies that you have to worry about. Right. <laughs> That's always the funny part to me because I, I'll tell you, I would love if COVID was a zombie virus. Right. I would absolutely love it. I would love not having to work anymore. I would love being able to travel and stuff like that. I wouldn't be worried about zombies. I'd be worried about other people because they're always the problem. Right. <laughs> so it's, it just goes to that whole whatever culture we have right now that is so incredibly selfish. And I'm not making apologies for anybody. I just think it's very strange that when someone apologizes and tries to change their life for the better, that they are seen as, nope, it's one strike and you're out. Yeah, nope, it's too late. That was too late yeah. for you to finally do that. Yeah. And I know I know Johnny has had many strikes. You know, I, I totally get it. But it's it's still one of those things where if someone is seriously trying to change and they have the ability and it seems like they are, yeah, people have setbacks. Once again, not everyone's perfect when it comes to changing either. I, I don't know. I like I like your story about being able to go full circle. Yeah. Because that's what you did. You were you were able to go full circle and it means something to you to have him on this album. I love hearing his voice on pretty much anything. So for me, it's cool with that. Like I I mean, I've told you this before. He has always treated me well. But that doesn't mean that it's not there for sure. I can't dismiss people's feelings, but I also don't expect people to dis- to dismiss my feelings on top of that. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, it's got to be a two-way street. I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know it, him personally well enough at all to know if those things are true or not. And I'll never say that's not true. Or right. That's definitely true. You know, yep. I'll just say that it's, you know, seems like an unfortunate situation. I hope that they can get it figured out, but yep. it's not yep. my job to, to inject myself into that. Exactly. So I am glad to hear your story about that because that did jump out at me because like I said, it's not something that you see as often anymore. So yeah. it's just very interesting, but that's what, but I love that you were able to bring in Garrett, you know, from Reverie to Escape Artist. Because also, you know, a lot of people forget Garrett didn't stop music, but he did stop a color, you know, the color morale. Like when he made that announcement, it seemed like he was done with music. And it doesn't seem like that band is coming back. So to still be able to get him out, because he has a great voice. Yeah. So to have him come out and still do things and want to be a part of this project is very cool as well. Yeah. Dude is amazing. He I, he just gets better and better with time. It's unbelievable, you know. And I, I think you know, like I said, he just loves this thing, you know. I mean, yeah. that's not it's not what he does for his career anymore, you know. I the little hint, and and they've said, you know, he's said this. The color morale is coming back with some new stuff soon. Oh, did I miss that? 
Did I so, miss that announcement? Oh, okay. <laughs> you might have. Yeah. I so okay. I mean, nice. It sounds like they're going to be doing some acoustic songs um, from some of their old records and stuff. So okay. I don't know how much you know if they're going to end up touring again or what the goal is. But I mean, I'm certainly fortunate and and lucky to have him be a part of this project. You know, yeah. it's not to say that he's a he's a part of my band. You know, sure, or or sure. that he that he is the clean vocalist of boy becomes hero, but it's certainly really cool to be able to work with him. And he's super easy to work with. Not other, a lot of other people are not that way. You know, they just, yeah, they, they want some money. They want to lay something down. If you don't like it too bad, right. You know, where he and I get to really communicate on this stuff and he's just a stand up dude. And I, I love what he stands for as a human being. So it's really cool to have him be a part of it. That's awesome. All right, Andrew. Well, I know we had we had talked off air before and we were talking about like scene jokes and you know stuff we could do that was different from the show but one of the things that we settled on that we had talked about was you had mentioned you had some you know pretty cool stories or some kind of crazy weird stories from the scene so why don't you share one of those with us Yeah I think there's a ton but one you know I think that some people will appreciate maybe down the line if they've got any of these posters they're they're in luck i guess um i had been at a show you know probably like five years ago i think i want to say it was like 2013 mm-hmm. so gosh i guess seven a little years bit ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it was uh sleeping with sirens conditions oh. danger kids and lions lions huh, and i sure. mean this yeah. was back at, at my drinking days and uh get into the show early and you know used to like to go and look at the merch tables you know get what i could to support the bands and stuff and you know get my size and uh the dude that was there for um conditions had the same phone case as me and we just like stupid thing we made an instant connection and (laughs) you know go on with the show you know i bought some stuff and um i mean like i said this was back in my drinking days so i mean i got loaded was browning out a little bit and Uh, went back to the table, you know, while sleeping with sirens is playing and, uh, dude sees me and he's like, Hey man, I'm going to grab a drink. Will you man the merch table? And I was like, duh, yeah. (laughs) So I, what a ridiculous thing. What, I mean, what was he thinking? Yeah. You know? And, and, uh, I get behind the merch table and I start selling their merch to people like crazy. And like, it's such a long line doing this and all of a sudden the guys from danger kids come back and uh they're i'm standing next to the vocalist and they're signing their posters for the tour Mm -hmm. for all these girls (laughs) and i just kind of like somebody passes a poster over to me and the vocalist looks at me and he goes you want to sign it (laughs) and i was like uh yeah so i probably signed like 20 to 25 danger kids posters With like these people not having any idea who I am, they probably got home and looked at these posters and were like, wait, who is that guy yeah. up there? <laughs> so s- some people out there have got my signature on some stuff. So, I mean, geez, if if you ever hear my stuff and you've got it, gosh, take a picture of that and post it on Instagram or something. Cause, and I'm so sorry if I ruined that poster for you, <laughs> but that was a highlight of a show for me. What a ridiculous thing to do. That <laughs> is, it was, it was pretty funny. I mean, that's the band's lifeblood too so to put a kid just just over there to have to deal with the money and sell merch is their whole livelihood i tell you what well 
<laughs> yeah, and I'm a salesperson, so I did a damn good job. You I did. sold a ton of merch that night for them. So signing those posters was the least I could have gotten out of oh, it. Oh, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, well, I'm assuming, did they at least when, so this was conditions that you were manning their booth though, right? Yeah, I was like selling conditions merch and Lions Lions because ah. he did both of their stuff and then signing for Danger Kids. Wow. And then it was like free- freezing outside. So the vocalist gave me his sweatshirt. So I guess oh, I got okay. that out of it too. But this thing was like a sweaty mess. Oh, I don't even sure. know why <laughs> why I was okay with taking it at the time, but but I certainly did. Yeah, that's what I was going to see is if you at least got your own merch that they gave to you for free. So you got a, you got a sweaty sweatshirt. So that worked. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) See, I thought when you were talking about Sleeping With Sirens, I thought you were going to tell a story about that because I definitely have a story about them where it was outside in Cambridge, Massachusetts. I want to say it was November or December of like, it had to have been like, once again, you mentioned probably seven, eight years ago, somewhere around there. And it was Sleeping With Sirens and Abandon All Ships. And I think someone else, I can't even remember who the other person was, but me and my buddy who are already, you know, we're in our twenties and we're going to the show knowing, you know, full well, because we like, you know, we like all different types of scene music. It's going to be mostly like 14 year old girls. You know what I mean? It's going to be their right. parents brought them. They're going to stand in the back and watch as well. It's going to be weird. So <laughs> we, we get some drinks, we get some drinks, we show up late not not late where the first band is on but late where you're not like in the venue when it first opens and there's still a line going all the way out the door and keep in mind it's november december in cambridge boston massachusetts so it's cold as fuck (laughs) and all these little girls as we go past the line we're just like oh no and all these little girls are just wearing the skimpiest you know barely any clothes whatsoever oh gosh i'm six five And my buddy's here with me, too. And I'm like, we are just not going to fit in at this show. And I don't even want to deal with any of this right now. Because I also don't want, like, little girls asking me to launch them into, you know, the pit or to to crowd surf or something. Which often happens to me when I go to shows. I'm like, I don't want to deal with this. So, as we're walking, we overhear, like, a girl and her friend they had carpooled with their group of girlfriends thinking that they were going to get a ticket, but this is a small venue and it's sleeping with sirens. So there's no way it doesn't sell out. <laughs> so we look at this girl who's talking to her friends. They're going to make them stay outside in this cold weather and they're going to go on the show and their friends have to wait. So me and my buddy just gave them the tickets. We were just like, here, go enjoy your life. <laughs> Hopefully those girls now are well adjusted and realize that they wasted their time seeing Sleeping with Sirens and now they like good music. <laughs> That's hilarious. I love that. Oh, that just for some reason when you said Sleeping with Sirens and being cold, that just reminded me of that story and I completely forgot about that from so long ago. That's insane. Wow. <laughs> wow. Well, that's awesome. I hope I hope anyone out there who has a Danger Kids poster now looks at it and wonders Wait a second, is that supposed to be there? Yeah, they're going to have to check. <laughs> that would be really that would be really funny. That is that is very true. Well, damn Andrew, that was a great story to end on. I, I enjoyed that. <laughs> well, I think I think what we're going to have to do at some point is we're going to have to have you come on and we'll do a scene show. 
We'll do some trivia. We'll talk about stories like that because, you know, I've been in old bands too. You know, nothing that, like, I didn't get to open for Amorosa or any of that kind of stuff. But I think between us, we'd have some pretty good stories to tell about different scene topics and stuff. So we'll have to do that sometime, I think. Hell yeah. I would love to come back for sure. Awesome. All right. Well, I think this is a good point now. I'm looking at the time. We'll have to deal with some random Discord issues. So even though Discord is sounding great, it's kind of gone off and on from time to time, which has been very strange. But I think we're at a good time right now to stop. So I think one of the things I definitely want to mention is I really, really enjoy Escape Artist. Like I said, when it comes out, I mean, I've kind of been listening on repeat already. But when it comes out again, I'm going to be listening again and again. And I love the compliment to Reverie and being able to go over everything. And I hope, you know, everyone for sure, listen, absolutely listen. But if you take that extra time to see the extra work that Andrew put into it, I think it'd be really cool to check out the stories as well and see all the thought and everything that went into this. Because like I said, it is an extra layer that really adds on to everything. So I'm going to have links in the description of the episode so that everyone can follow everything you're doing. You know, we'll make sure there are links for not only the music, but also your website and to write love on our arms and everything. But until then, what is the best way for people to support you? Yeah, good question. So I think the best way to support me would be just stream the hell out of this thing. If you love it, stream it and share it. Um, Didn't want to do a whole bunch of merch this time you know it um this is suicide prevention month mm-hmm. and to write love on our arms is doing a lot to raise money for this so that the timing is really good so you know any money that somebody would have wanted to put towards a physical album um you know they may certainly become available at some point but throw that money their way sure. um let's keep the conversation going and get people you know, the professional help that they deserve so that they can continue to enrich their lives and, and move forward. Um, if you want, yeah, hop on the website, buy a shirt. There's a ton left. The proceeds go to them for that too. So that would be nice. the same thing. So supporting them is supporting me and supporting me is supporting them. So right. anything you can do is great. Sounds great, man. And like Andrew said, make sure you go out and stream Reverie, stream Escape Artist. Why wow, I think I tripped over there stream escape artist (laughs) it'll be the best way as well to support and then just a reminder it comes out on september 25th and a lot of music comes out on september 25th but listen to this i'm telling you you know there there's a bunch of stuff i like coming out on that day but make sure that you go through this i'll obviously be promoting as well but i just really man i love the shit out of your music so i'm just really glad that we were able to finally do this and talk everything out, and I'll have you back on the show, and we'll go over everything as well, but I definitely want to say all the best. I really hope that this works out for you in whatever capacity you want it to work out for you, but I'm just very, very impressed with everything you put together um, and thoroughly enjoyed, thoroughly enjoyed and enjoy constantly listening to your music, so much appreciated, man, and thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. Awesome. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me on.